Welcome back into KMN Daily. Kyle Cushman here alongside Nigel Gubekchen. And we're back talking about the four most recent games of NHL playoff action. KMN Daily is kind of just the title. Now we're, we're going to be doing things every other day. So we actually have multiple games to talk about rather than just kind of one or two games a day. So we begin by going back a couple days now. And that's back to Boston and Tampa as the Tampa Bay Lightning defeat Boston 3-2 in overtime as they eliminate the uh, essentially President's uh, Trophy winning Boston Bruins in the second round here in quite decisive fashion here. Uh, 4-1 series victory, but this game uh, largely was won thanks to Andre Vasilevsky stopping 45 of 47 in this one as this one goes to double overtime and it's Victor Hedman the hero for the Tampa Bay Lightning as they head over to Edmonton now for the conference finals. And Nigel, uh, coming out of this game, obviously a heartbreaking defeat for the Boston Bruins here, but your takeaways after this relatively short series. Yeah, uh, it was a very interesting series for sure, just because like you said, it's it's shorter than I think most people were probably expecting. And, you know, I I think ultimately uh, both teams can really – I think this is the outcome most people are expecting. As soon as Tuka Rask went home, Boston knew it was going to be a tough, tough time. Um, and especially that was seen on the back-to-back. You know, you just – you yeah, as much as I like Yero Halak, I've said a couple of times now, but he's just not a goalie who can play a back-to-back anymore. He's older. He's just – he's not as good as Tuka Rask. That being said, uh, Tampa – also played unbelievably in the series. Uh, it's not like they won only because Tukarask went home. I think they would have won the series regardless, even if he was playing. Um, I think, yeah, Tampa looks like they are in prime position to win a Stanley Cup this year if they want to do it. Uh, it's just a matter of if they can keep that consistency up that they've had all year so far in the playoffs. Uh, we saw last year they kind of you know couldn't really get it going at the start. Um, I don't worry if something like that will happen because they've already got it going. They've already kind of erased those demons from last year. But the only thing I do maybe worry about a little is if they, you know, they're going to have a bit of a break here. You're traveling to a new hub city. Are they going to take a while to come out going that Eastern Conference Finals? But that being said, the other team who joins them will also be coming from, you know, the East bubble going to the West. So they're both in a relatively similar spot. So, yeah, I think Tampa's in just a really great position right now. Yeah, very, very strong performance here. But this was a game, as I mentioned earlier, that Vasilevsky really wins for them. Yeah. Uh, you look at Boston's performance in this one, just peppering uh, Vasilevsky with shots. Not necessarily the super high quality, but in doing so, uh, had more expected goals than Tampa in this one in both regulation and at the end of double overtime. Uh, but it's the resilience from Tampa Bay uh, converting on the chances that they did get. Obviously, 35 shots against uh, Yarrow Halak is nothing to... Scoff again, uh, scoff at, excuse me. Um, but a strong game from Vasilevsky when he's when we've seen him kind of be average to below average at points during these playoffs, uh, and pulling out the two, uh, the double overtime victory in this one. Uh, depending on what happens with that Philly and Islanders series, they might get a few days off, which again helps with the injuries. Obviously, Ryan McDonough returned in this one. We don't know if he's back to 80, 100 percent. We don't know what he's at. And obviously the long-awaited return of Steven Stamkos and if that will happen at some point during this playoffs. But hey, as long as these series keep going long and and Tampa gets to rest and Stamkos uh, gets to count the days towards his return, uh, if this Islanders-Philly series goes seven, that just helps for the chances of Stamkos returning. So Tampa's performance to this point has been so, so incredible, as I mentioned, without Stamkos, even without McDonough in that last game. But uh, firing on all cylinders, I think, is a great way to say the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. 
defeating uh, Boston 3-2 in Game 5 as they move on to the conference finals. Not really much else to say about that one. Um, the storylines have really played out how we expected them to. Uh, in, in the second game, though, uh, the storylines have been all over the place, and uh, there's been so many to keep track of, it's almost impossible. Uh, Colorado defeating Dallas 6-3 in this one, and my God, the storylines going into this game. So going into things, second half of a back-to-back, we expected it to be Pavel Francouz versus Anton Hudobin. We talked about it on the last Cayman Daily and neither of them started because yeah. Ben Bishop out of nowhere was suddenly fit to play and he started. Well, the Francois... confusing thing was that during the episode, I saw a tweet saying Ben Bishop unfit to play, won't dress tonight. Yeah. And then two hours later, Ben Bishop's starting tonight. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is uh, interesting. Yeah, like yeah. just so weird from the start. Yeah, and yeah. then on top of that, Pavel Francouz all of a sudden was unfit to play and it was Michael Hutchinson starting. <laughs> with Hunter Miska backing him up. Like, that's worst-case scenario right there. We, we kind of joked about whatever, oh, teams bringing three, four goalies. Like, imagine if both goalies get hurt at some point. Colorado's living that right now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if not for the acquisition of Michael Hutchinson at the deadline, we would have seen Hunter Miska start an elimination game for the Colorado Avalanche. But um, that's why you, you acquired the depth. And Michael Hutchinson, he's not an NHL backup but he can be a third stringer and he showed it in this one as um, my God, what a game here. Uh, yeah. Colorado going up five, nothing in the first period, Ben Bishop hung out to dry and terrible in his own right was not ready to come back and play in this game whatsoever. I lost no. four goals in the first 1343. He gets pulled. Hudobin goes in and immediately allows a goal less than a minute later. Uh, just incredible stuff in this game. Uh, the scoreline doesn't really reflect how one-sided it was. Um, obviously, 5 nothing at the end of the first. Dallas getting a couple there in the second as Colorado kind of let off the gas pedal. So 6-3 doesn't really reflect how dominant Colorado really was in this game. But the scary thing for me is that Colorado did that without scoring on six power plays. They went 0-6 yeah. on the man advantage yeah. and still put up a six spot and still put up five in the first period. That's a scary team. This is the Colorado Avalanche team we expected in this series, and we haven't really seen too much. But they they stave off elimination here in Game Five, and they head into Game Six. Or sorry, uh, that uh, yeah, game. They head into Game Six now uh, with all the momentum here. Obviously, question marks still uh, in goal for both teams, uh, but a fantastic performance here uh, facing elimination for the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, that game went about as poorly as you could want for the uh, Dallas Stars. Because yeah. even if you lose that game and it's a close one, it's like, you know what, we played a good game. But when you give up five, when you're down five nothing halfway through the first period, there's nothing positive to take away from it whatsoever. Um, yeah, they're, they're kind of in a very tough position because usually you'd be like, oh, they still have the game advantage. But honestly, I'd rather be in Colorado's shoes right now because you just, you just had your goalie, your star goalie, give up four goals on 17 shots in his first game back or 19 shots his first game back. Uh, and then you had your backup who come in, who was playing fairly decent, give up a goal on the first shot he saw. Uh, so overall, really not a great time to be part of the Dallas Stars organization. That being said, Colorado isn't faring much better goaltending-wise either because Michael Hutchinson, you know, we talked about him on the KMN show earlier in the year. He kind of <laughs> sucks. And he, he had to play a playoff game, which, you know, I never thought I'd see, but here we are. Uh, so... I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. If, if the goalie matchup for the next game 
it has Michael Hutchinson in, I'll I'll be amazed. But it looks like it might be. I mean, Francois unfit to play last minute. That clearly, it's got to be something important that you couldn't even just stick him at a yeah. backup goalie position. So, if if Colorado somehow makes the Western Conference Final with their third string goalie being Michael <laughs> Hutchinson, I will. You know, that some things you just have to respect, and that's something I would just have to respect as a Leafs fan. Like, yeah, and, and, and the crazy part about it is that he played well. He stopped 31 of 34 yeah, no, at 9-12 no. save percentage. <laughs> Dallas actually had quite a bit of shot quality in this game late on. They had a couple power plays where they really started to pepper it on. Obviously had the, the power play goal from Jamie Benn in that third period, but uh, the expected goals in this one is kind of inflated because of those kind of flurries um, there in the third period, but um, just incredible stuff. Uh, like yeah. the, the amount of different twists and turns in this series to this point has been incredible, whether it's Grubauer going down, whether it's the backups going head to head. And now the third stringer going up against the Vesna finalist. Um, and the Vesna finalist is the one that allows four in the first, like it, <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. it's crazy stuff going on in this series, but Hey, we talked about it on the last game and daily, this was a game that we were both, <laughs> we had it start. We were watching this no matter what mm-hmm. happened. Um, and that's just the case going forward in this series. Dallas still leads 3-2. Um, Kudobin obviously allowed the, the first shot in, but after that really found his zone, uh, stopping 20 of 22. You have to imagine he starts the next game. Yeah. You can't go back to Ben Bishop there. Even if he is fit to play, uh, he's starting on the bench there at the very least because I don't know how you have any faith starting Ben Bishop in the next game after that performance and then Kudobin and what he did coming in relief. But this series is shaping up to be one of the craziest. It already has been. Um, but the the finale to the series is going to be really, really good. Dallas, as I mentioned, leads 3-2, and that next game will be coming up shortly. But uh, that did it for the action two days ago. We get to the action from last night, and it's the Philadelphia Flyers avoiding elimination in overtime, winning 4-3. Derek Broussard back in the lineup for the Islanders. Semyon Varlamov would start over Thomas Grice for Philadelphia. Scott Lawton was back, and he'd be he'd be the difference maker in this one as yeah. he gets the overtime winner on the shot from Ivan Provorov. Uh, again, Philadelphia not able to hold on to a lead. They had a 3-1 advantage with just a few minutes to go in this game, but a couple late goals in succession from Brock Nelson and Derek Broussard uh, tie it up late, goes to overtime, and 12-20 into overtime, Scott Lawton gets the winner. Uh, this series again is definitely not as crazy as the, uh, the Colorado Dallas series, but at the same time, it's been all over the place too. We've seen blown leads. We've seen overtime games. We've seen everything in this series. And right now, Philadelphia, you, you gotta be a little bit worried about the fact that you can't hold on to a lead essentially, yeah. uh, in this series, but you have to be pretty, uh, happy with the fact that you're able to pull out that win push it to six at the very least here. You, you live another day, and this is a game that you probably uh, should have won earlier, but after the Islanders came back, was looking like they were going to lose this one. So you have to be – you have to look at the silver linings at the very least if you're a Flyers fan. Yeah, I, you, I, I was going to say that they were lucky to win this game. I mean, you could argue, yeah, they should have won it because they should have closed it out, but they're lucky after you go up 3-1, give exactly. up two late goals in the third period to not lose that game. And – you know, Philly better take this lifeline and use it because they've been so under. I mean, in the round robin, everyone yeah. was, you know, I was singing praise so for Philly. So and it, to, to be fair, they, like, they, they looked that good. They deserved all the praise we were giving them, but they've yeah. just been so underwhelming. 
in the even in the Montreal series, obviously they they won, but they didn't look that great at any point in it. And then in this series, same thing. They haven't looked like the team we saw in the round robin at all. And yeah, they're lucky that they're not going home because ultimately they easily could have yesterday. Um, you know, the Islanders almost had another third period comeback. They've done this like three times now so far in the playoffs. And I, I think, you know, Barry Trotz is going to be pissed that they weren't able to finish that one off. But I think on the other side of things, like I said, Alan Vigneault has to know that, you know, that we sh- we're lucky to be here still. This is a lifeline and they better make good use of it. Cause if not, I, I don't, I can't see them winning game six if they try to play this crappy style of hockey that they've been doing. Um, I wasn't sure. The only other thing I want to mention was I wasn't sure. I thought Thomas Grice deserved the start. I, I feel like we agreed on that. Um, but I can see why they went with Barlamov. He had played more games in the playoffs, but he had played well in the the one prior. But yeah, I, don't know if I, I was a little that. surprised that it wasn't Grice as well because Grice had got a couple big wins there. Um, yeah. Go back to Varlamov. He, he didn't play bad at all. Um, played basically in line with what the expected goals say, 2.93 for Philadelphia, 3.11 yeah. for the Islanders. So an average performance from Varlamov and Carter Hart in this one. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of thought that we'd see Grice in this one. I was a little surprised that Trotz did go back to Varlamov. But again, um, average performance, so you can't really pin anything on Varlamov there. Obviously, uh Kept them in it as that third period went along and the Islanders get two late ones but aren't able to capitalize. But yeah, as you mentioned, this is a game that the Islanders are probably a little bit disappointed in. For starters to go down 3-1 for so long in this game, uh, but then to have that late comeback and not be able to capitalize in overtime, uh, that's that's got to sting a little bit. But again, they have two more chances to win this series uh, as they still lead the series 3-2. The final game... Of these last couple of days, though, Vancouver and Vegas and what is the most lopsided win I have ever seen in the negative favor. I've never seen a team get this badly outplayed and still win in the playoffs in quite some time. Uh, for starters, Tyler Myers in for Jordy Ben, Robin Leonard starting for Vegas. But the big thing coming into this one, Jacob Markstrom unfit to play. That's your Demko facing elimination against the high-flying Vegas Golden Knights. Here's your first career start and he passed with flying colors, stopping 42 of 43 and a 977 save percentage, one goal against on 4.06 expected goals. What else can you say about Thatcher Demko? Yeah, uh, I, have a, I have a friend. I'll, I won't name him, and it's not Luke Burrows. Who, <laughs> who, I, I'm being serious when I say this. He's, he's a hometown guy, Dundas. Uh, he is so, he's, he's a Vancouver Canucks fan, and he is so on the Thatcher Demko hype train that he agrees that they should just let Markstrom walk and let Demko based off this one start. Now, I don't know if I'm that high on Thatcher Demko based off this one performance, but that being said, that was one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen in my life. I went to bed after the first period of this game fully expecting Vegas to win 5 6 nothing. Wake up 2-1 Vancouver. I'm like, what the heck went on? Watch the highlights. Satcher Demko stole the show. You can't even blame Vegas for not winning this one. This is just a game that was completely stolen from them by a great performance by uh, Thatcher Demko. Obviously, you know, you should probably score some of the chances they weren't able to score, but even then, some of the saves he's making, absolutely insane. Uh, yeah, I. this is crazy. This, this is something I didn't see happening was Thatcher Demko putting up a 42% or sorry, 42 save uh, performance in the playoffs. But here we are again, 2024, everything crazy is happening. <laughs> and I don't know where they should go from here now if Markstrom's fit to play in game six, because my heart tells me this was a one-off and I don't think Demko could do this the next game, but 
he also did just put up a 977 in this game. So I don't know. Vegas, don't be worried in my opinion. You're going to figure things out. Uh, you're still the better team. This is a game where it's literally you just have to tip your cap. And I think Vegas probably understands that, that they were just outplayed by a goalie having the, literally the game of his life. Uh, and sometimes that happens, especially in the playoffs. And I think you just have to accept that and move forth. Yeah, if you're Vegas, you can't focus on the fact that you weren't able to close it out here in five because just look at the numbers here. 4.06 expected goals, as I mentioned, for Vegas. 1.31 for Vancouver on 17 shots. Yeah. 17 shots. They had two chances in this game. Essentially, they capitalized on both. Brock Besser quickly responding after Shea Theodore's unbelievable goal. That that was pretty nasty. Uh, And then Elias Pedersen. Scoring at the beginning of the third period, and that's all she wrote. Like, no power play goals in this one. Uh, just an absolute incredible performance from Thatcher Demko. A couple uh, good plays from your key players, Aaron Besser and Pedersen, and you survive another day. Um, I don't think you can rely on Demko like that again. I uh, can't hang him out to dry like that again. But you basically in one series, you can, you can kind of play your goalie card for one game, and they kind of play the goalie card for this yeah, game. Exactly. You have to figure out how to win these next two here if they're going to move on to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, similar to you, I don't have a ton of faith in that being able to happen here for Vancouver, um, but at the very least, uh, they've got an interesting decision coming up. If Markstrom's fit to play, and if he isn't, uh, if Demko continues to play well, uh, that's just going to make that offseason decision of uh, the pending UFA and Jacob Markstrom all the more fascinating, but uh, just stellar performance. There's not really anything else you can say about Thatcher Demko in this one, Uh, but Vegas, uh, just keep doing what you're doing and you'll get the win. I don't really have to worry about that too, too much, but that does it for all the action from these last couple of days. Uh, We'll do our our game of the day, which is essentially just the the last two days, player of the day stuff. Uh, After all of that, we'll get to the Jake Allen trade after that, but talking about these past four games, uh, some very interesting series. Just the one elimination, despite all of them uh, being elimination games. It's only the Boston Bruins going home out of these four. So, Nigel, out of these last couple of days, what is your game of the day pick? Uh, it's got to be the one where Boston goes home because, uh, for me, <laughs> I like that. But it was also a very good game. Very back and forth. Double overtime, like you said. And uh, two very good hockey teams playing some very good hockey. That's what that game was. Perfect playoff game for me. Not too high scoring. Great goaltending. Defensive matchup had everything I wanted out of it. Yeah, excellent choice there. I'm, I'm tempted to uh, go with that one as well, but I'll go with the other overtime game. The late comeback from the Islanders uh, and then the early overtime finish there with Scott Lawton getting one 20 into overtime. There was a power play opportunity in that overtime as well, a tense overtime with it being elimination, uh, but it's the, uh, sorry, it's the Philadelphia Flyers being able to stave off elimination for this one, so I'll go with uh, Philly and Islanders for my essentially game of the day pick for player of the day. I feel like this one's pretty obvious. Uh, where are you going? Uh, I'm going for Darcy Kemper 2.0, uh, Thatcher <laughs> Demko, <laughs> uh, winning your team, a game that you had no business winning, uh, Thatcher Demko, you get my vote. Yeah. Thatcher Demko's the obvious pick. If I'm given a runner up to it, I'll give Josh Bailey some love in this one. Got nice. his 12th yeah. and 13th assists of these playoffs. He's up to 15 points in 14 games going under the radar because he only has the two goals, but he's been an assist machine for these New York Islanders. He's been one of the key reasons why they've been able to uh, go so far in these playoffs and have that 3-2 series lead as they do right now. 
He's been a key component in their offense going under the radar. So I'll give him a little bit of love as my runner up, but come on, it's Thatcher Demko every day of the week. Uh, going forward to the lineup uh, for tonight and tomorrow. Uh, tonight is just the one game. We've got Colorado and Dallas game six goes for that series. Again, it'll be interesting to see who the goaltenders are in that one, what lineup changes we see. Uh, but that's the only game coming up later today, of course, an elimination game. Tomorrow, we see at 7 p.m., Philadelphia and the Islanders. That's game six for them. And at 9.45, Vegas and Vancouver, of course, game six for that. So coming up, we've got three games uh, combined tonight and tomorrow. Nigel, who are you picking in those? I think I like, I definitely like uh, Colorado tonight. I think they're, you know, well, I've said it all playoffs. When their offense clicks like that, they're impossible to stop. And so far, they're looking pretty good. Uh, for Philly and New York, I got to go Philly. I, I think they are going to push it to seven. I think they understand that, uh, that, you know, they were given an opportunity here. And there's a good veteran group of guys in that locker room. I think they, uh, they'll know what they have to do. And then I think Vegas finally seals the deal on Vancouver. A very, you know, respectable season for Vancouver, making it this far, winning two against Vegas. But I think that the run ends there, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair assessment from you on those. Uh, for my Tim's picks, I did well a couple of days ago. I got the, uh, the goal or a big game from Andre Burakovsky. Last night, I got the goal from Elias Pettersson. Uh, so I, I've got a couple of the uh, the one goal scorers, but uh, just the one game tonight. So it's going to be tough to make some picks here. Uh, tier one, I'm going to go Nathan McKinnon. I feel like that's nice. the easy pick night in, night out for them. Uh, tier two, I'll say uh, Joe Pavelski. He's always a big game performer. And for tier number three, come on. I can't see that name and not pick it. It's got to be Nazem Kadri. So yeah, those are, I'm locking them in. McKinnon, Pavelski, Kadri, locking nice. it in. It's just the one game tonight. So that's one. Uh, just only four options to pick from from each tier, so it's going to be tough to uh, capitalize on that one tonight. Uh, but hey, that's why the rewards are so big now. So uh, that wraps up all of the uh, game day talk, uh, all the action, all of our picks, everything there. But we had a trade today, and it sure it was an interesting one. The Montreal Canadiens acquired Jake Allen and a seventh-round pick uh, from the St. Louis Blues for a third-round pick and a seventh-round pick pick uh on the surface this is a very weird trade um obviously jake allen goes to the habs uh to back up carry price here but uh you factor in everything here a bit of a weird move but it kind of does make a little bit of sense yeah i it's a lot of cat for two goalies that's maybe the problem i have most um, in the nhl yeah exactly and not to say that carry price and jake allen aren't great goalies in their respected roles i think jake jake allen's a probably if not the best, a top three, top five backup in the NHL based off this year. Yeah. Uh, did a really good job backing up Jordan Bennington. Almost split starts, realistically. And with Carey Price, we know Carey Price. He proved it to us in the playoffs this year. He still got it. He still is one of the best goalies in the NHL. The problem I have, yeah, is just the 15 million cap. Obviously, if you want a cheaper option as a backup, you're going to have to pay more. Um, and I think St. Louis is obviously trying to clear up cap, trying to re-sign their captain, uh, Petrolangelo, Alex Petrolangelo. So, it it makes sense for both sides, like the the move with disregarding money. But then when you bring in money for the Habs, it doesn't make a ton of sense for me as a team that you know. Obviously, they made the playoffs this year, and in a regular season, they would have made the playoffs this year, and they they impressed me in the playoffs. They looked like a really solid team, and if we could get that team to play eighty two games in the regular season next year, however many games in the regular season next year, I'll be thoroughly impressed. But I don't know if we're gonna see that team for eighty two games next year. 
And I don't know if they are going to make the playoffs next year. Now, I, I think they definitely have a legitimate chance to. I think they're a very solid hockey team. I, I've said it all playoffs when they were in it. I like their young players in Nick Suzuki and Esprit Kokniemi, but I don't know if we're going to get that level performance out of them for 82 games. And I don't know if this trade makes sense if you don't make the playoffs next year and you're committing $15 million in cap to two goalies who are both older than 30. I Just for me, I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know. You You can give me your input on it. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And my initial reaction was basically, what the hell are they doing here? But looking at it a little bit more, uh, realizing the situation the Habs are in, I'd give it like a, like a C plus B minus kind of yeah. grade because it fills the need that they had. Uh, it was obvious that they weren't comfortable going with one of Charlie Lindgren or Caden Primo as Carey Price's backup going into next season. They wanted a legitimate backup that can take some, some of the onus off of uh, Carey Price, give him a lot more rest, and, and basically keep him healthy, keep him rested throughout the season so you get proper Carey Price and not gassed Carey Price. Because it's clear after this regular season that uh, Carey Price was pretty tired throughout the regular season because when we saw him in the playoffs with that extended rest, he looked superb. So uh, it's clear that they wanted to go out and get that uh, quality, quality backup to take some of that off of Carey Price. Uh, Jake Allen just has one year left, so you're not committing money long-term, so I don't hate it from that perspective. But for me, it's just the asset management of things where it's giving up a third-round pick for a goalie that a team needed to move so that they could uh, clear space. And I, I, I can't imagine there was a huge market for That's Jake Allen. That's the other thing I was going to say. Like, yeah. I, 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 obviously, I don't know. But at a four-plus-million-dollar ticket for a guy that, in, in all actuality, is probably a high-end backup or a mid-to-low-tier starter, yeah. um, I don't know what the market is for that. And giving up a third-round pick uh, to a team that needed a clear cap space, I feel like you, you could have been able to press them a little bit harder. Uh, mm-hmm. if you wait longer into the off season, but it does feel a need for the Habs. They have a ton of cap space, so it's not like committing this much money is that big of a deal. Of course, you would like to spend money smartly, but uh, it's just a one-year thing for Jake Allen, so I don't hate it. They still have $14 million in cap space, so it's not like this move hinders what they can do elsewhere. Um, it'll depend on what we see, the other moves from the Habs, what happens with Max Domi, whether he's moved, or what that contract looks like, whether Philip Deneau stays around. There's a lot of moving pieces with the Habs right now. Um, but at least for now, it, the, the, the trade in a vacuum, I really like. Getting yeah, Jake Allen takes, takes the pressure off of Carey Price. You can, you can have it like a, a 55 starts for Carey Price in that range now. You don't have to worry about playing him way, way too much because you have that quality backup now. Um, you have a lot of goalies signed, though, so I don't know what's going to happen there, especially with the questions around the AHL season, but yeah, you still and got your cap space. You get your quality back up. I don't like giving up the third round pick, but I don't hate yeah. the move overall. And the one thing I guess I'll ask you, cause you know, sure. you're more in tune with the prospect system. Where do, what, what, where do Caden Primo and uh, Mr. Lindgren go from here? What, what do you think? Is there a deal for one of them to leave? Cause they are both young, relatively highly ranked goalies within hockey. I'd say, right. You know, they both have, Uh, a high ceiling for sure. So what do you think the future of them is? Yeah. So I I think uh, Caden Primo is probably depending on what happens with the AHL season, but he's the starter. He's getting major minutes uh, with Laval next season. 
Charlie Lindgren, I, I imagine he's gone. Um, yeah. He's, he's deceptively old. He's up 24, 25, I believe. Now. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, he, he already required waivers last year. He got cleared through waivers last year. So it's not like there's a huge market for him. But he's, he's a low-end backup. So if there's a team that needs to save space, um, that's looking for a low-end backup, that has a starter that they're comfortable giving 60-plus starts to, he's got a $750,000 cap hit. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes somewhere else to be an HL starter somewhere uh, for like a, a late round pick or if he gets claimed off waivers and is uh, a low end backup somewhere. But uh, I have a feeling that at least one of those goalies is moving because they also signed Vasily Demchenko out of the KHL last year. He'll probably be that tandem uh, with uh, Caden Primo in Laval next season. And then there's the wild card of Michael McNiven. He's an RFA. Right. They still like yeah. him if they re-sign him. So uh, there's some moving pieces there for sure. But um, at least this trade is not a good sign if you're Charlie Lindgren. I think it's smart to not try and rush Primo up to the NHL and be a backup right away. Give him a full season in the AHL to dominate. Um, but for Charlie Lindgren, not a good sign for him. I imagine he goes elsewhere. But um, okay. on the St. Louis side of things, though, uh, a really, really solid move for them. Obviously... Uh, especially after these playoffs, the faith in Jordan Bennington is kind of low right now, but uh, you, you had almost 9 million committed between Bennington and Allen on the cap. So you move out a significant chunk of that there with 4.35 mil going out, which really helps uh, clear some space and start to move towards being able to re-sign Alex Petrangelo. They're still sitting at just under 6 million in cap space. So uh, still not a great situation there especially with the $700,000 overage that was confirmed uh, that'll be on the cap for this season. So still not ideal for St. Louis, but you still have some big tickets like Alexander Steen at just under $6 million that you can move out that can really yeah. help with that. You've got Oscar Sunfist at just under $3 million as your fourth-line center. So there's some pieces that they can still move around, but Jake Allen was always the one that looked like he was going to be the main one to go, and he's the first one that goes there. So uh, a starting place, for St. Louis, obviously, you still have to get another backup now for Jordan Bennington because I don't think you're comfortable with Billy Uso going into that backup role after a season where he was slightly above 900 save percentage in the AHL. But uh, we'll see what happens for St. Louis going on from here. But a starting place for them in this offseason and a nice pickup for the Habs in a vacuum. I'm not huge on the price that they paid for it. I thought you probably could have got that for a later round pick. But uh, nonetheless, the Habs get better here. And St. Louis, although they do get worse, they clear up some more space trying to re-sign their captain. So, Nigel, do you have any final thoughts on this trade before we sign off for the day? No, you, you said it perfectly. Well awesome. Done. Love yeah. to see it. Well, we'll be back in a couple of days. Hopefully, hey, maybe we'll have another trade to talk about. Yeah, but at the very fun. least, hey, they're always good to talk about. But at the very least, we'll have three more elimination games to talk about. And hopefully, we get at least a couple of game sevens because we haven't had any game sevens yet. I'm kind of feeling deprived and it's looking like we're going to have at least a couple of juicy ones here coming up with Colorado, Dallas, Philadelphia Islanders, and of course, Vegas, Vancouver. But that's going to do it for KMN Daily today. We'll see you in a couple of days time. Enjoy the action. We'll see you then.